Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Guitar Wank podcast. I'm your host, Troy McCubbin. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing. We really appreciate your ears taking the time to listen to our podcast. So um, this is number 35 on the Guitar Wank podcast list. And uh, we hope you enjoy this one as much as you've enjoyed the last 34. To all the people that were involved in the Guitar Wank Roadshow that we uh, aired last week, thank you so much. To all our sponsors, we really appreciate it. Diodario Guitar Strings, Fishman, Jimmy Dunlop, My Music Masterclass, Sennheiser Microphones, Sir Guitars and Amps, Wireworld Pro Audio Cables, Exotic Pedals, RiffmasterPro.com. Thank you, guys. Some of our sponsors went beyond the Call of Duty. Dear Dario, with all your gift bags and everything that you gave us, I think everyone at the podcast, at the roadshow, got to walk away with something uh, which was really awesome. And Jim Dunlop for the guitar picks, thank you so much. And also we have Guitar Wank guitar picks. I think they're one mil and um, it's they're great. I've been using them a lot. I've actually I've gone over to a Guitar Wank pick and the, the logo on the pick is actually really good for um, a grip which is great. So we, we're going to put them up in the store so you'll be able to get them soon. What else we got? Sir, guitars and amps. You guys were fantastic at the Roadshow. Really appreciate you guys coming out. I mean, if you know, don't know any of their products, you need to check them out. They make amazing, as you know, Scott's a huge Sir guy, uh, Sir guitar and amps he plays for a long time, forever. But, um, yeah, they make incredible amps, guitars and pedals. I mean... What an amazing product. Wireworld Pro Audio Cables, thank you guys for all the giveaways you give us. They're such great giveaways and uh, everyone loves them, so that's really cool. If you don't know their cables, check them out. They make a difference to your sound. And not only did they clean up my sound, but just less interference from everything else. So really clean, great sound. Uh, exotic pedals, you guys know them. They make killer stuff. Check out Scott's new pedal. A big thank you. We're gonna, we're saying goodbye to someone in the Guitar Wank team, Doug, the guy behind the scenes. You do really go. You guys haven't met Doug, but Doug Gary is behind the scenes. He's the one who's been basically putting this podcast together, bar a few which I edited. But Doug's been editing the podcast and making sure they sound as good as they can. Uh, he he did all the websites and setting up the store. He's done so much behind the scenes, getting merch together. Um, and he's been doing this all on his spare time and when, you know, without being paid. So, Doug, we really appreciate everything you've done. We're going to, we're sorry to see you go, but um, we totally get it. You're sick of us. You're done with this shit. <laughs> you can't, you can't afford to take time out of your life to look after us, man. We get it. No, it's, he's just busy. He's a busy man. And uh, yeah. You know, when you're not getting paid to do all this work, it's it's tough and we get it. So we really appreciate it. And he's going to be there if we get stuck, of course. But um, just wanted to say a big thanks to Doug. I got a great email from um, uh, one of our listeners and I get these quite often. And it's 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 great. And I thought I'd share this one with, us, with you guys a little bit because I think it relates to a lot of listeners out there. I know it related to me and I was like, God, I'm going through the same thing. Um, and it was from a listener, Howard Fig. And Howard wrote to us, he just wanted, he said he just wanted to write a short note to thank us guys for creating and continuing to broadcast the, this podcast. Uh, he talks about the podcast has become the soundtrack to his workouts. And I thought that was so awesome. Um, one, that he's working out, which is fantastic because 
exercise is so important. I know I get just, I become a shitty person if I don't work out. Uh, it's so important. And trying to find time to work out is hard too. But you, you, if you can just find even five minutes to do some sort of exercise, it's huge. And listening to uh, the Guitar Wank podcast at the same time, I think is fantastic. So that's awesome. And he talks about just trying to find time to have this to practice and have the instrument in his hand because he's obviously dealing with family and life and work. And as you get older, I'm talking to the younger listeners. If you're in your early 20s or teens, teens, I don't even know why you're listening to this show if you're in your teens. But anyway, if you're a young person playing guitar and you have hours and hours to dedicate to your instrument, abuse it, take advantage of it. Because I remember those days when I could spend 8, 11 hours on my instrument and that's all I had to worry about. But as you get older, life changes. As we all know, you know, you, you get married or you have kids or work takes over and, or you, you're sick of being broke and you want to make money because <laughs> you're a musician. You know, life gets in the way and you have to wear so many hats. And, and having that luxury of just spending eight hours on your instrument and is, is that. It's a luxury. So I know I'm dealing with that and I know I have a lot of friends that deal with the same thing. You know, life, life gets in the way. So um, I've been juggling exercise and new baby and, and my businesses and the podcast and my sanity and when I get to eat and drink and relax and relationships and blah. It's a lot. And some days you really just want to block all that crap out and you just want to be on your instrument. So when I hear Scott and Bruce talk, yeah, you need eight hours to be on your instrument. Yeah, I get it. But where the hell do I find eight hours just to give to my instrument? So what I've been doing, and it's it's been working. I feel like I've been getting a lot more time on instrument. It's just instrument. It's just having a guitar everywhere I am. And um, I get up in the morning, there's a guitar right there. I pick it up. I'm having my coffee. I'm getting to play a little bit and practice. So if I'm doing something that I don't need my hands and I'm just reading or what I, my instrument is in my hand as much as possible. So maybe I'm not getting an, a solid eight hours, but over the day from morning to night, maybe I'm getting in three or four. So I'm, I'm just trying to take advantage of that. As well as like Scott and Bruce talk about, practicing when you're not on your instrument, like listening to music and thinking about playing and and studying different players and, you know, listening to the greats or whatever you're into. So it's there's so much I could relate to in this email. I just wanted to um, share that with you guys because we get a lot of people say that pod, the Guitar Wang podcast has become a huge part of their life, which is so cool to hear that. And we really appreciate that. And we love that you guys are getting something out of it because – that was my whole scheme or idea behind this Guitar Wank podcast was to share what I was getting out of it when I was hanging out with Bruce and Scott. I mean, I see these guys play and it's just like, damn, they are so good. And I want to get better as a player as well. And I know I need to spend time on my instrument. So, you know, I wanted to share that with you guys, what they're sharing with me. And it, it seems to be working. You guys are getting something out of it, <laughs> good, bad, or whatever. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am and um, learning something along the way, having a laugh and um, getting to step out of 
the mundane life stuff that we all go through and get to really think about music and just have have a good time. That's what it's all about and that's what we're trying to do. So without further delays, shut up, McCubbin, and uh, let's get on with the podcast. I know I think we're going back to some questions from a previous podcast that we recorded this week. We will. We still have John Bazzano to come. We're going to get more of them out. We still have a more of Tim Pierce and Pete Thorne, uh, more of those sessions. So we've got so much more to come. I wanted, There's a bunch of guests that I want to get on the show. I mean, Lukather. I want Steve Lukather. If you're out there, mate, I really want you on the show. I think you'd be so much fun. Landau, we... I, I didn't tell you guys, but me and Bruce went to see, uh, I think you might've seen it, but we went to see Mike Landau play at the baked potato, went up and said, g'day. He knew who I was, which was that, that was crazy to me, but he was, oh, you must be Troy. So he listens to the show, which is so cool. And he said, he loves what we're doing. I think Landau would be great on the show. Just come and sit on the couch, mate. Even if you don't say anything, just come and hang. We, uh, we would love to have a chat and just shoot the shit with you. That'd be fantastic. I think a good person on the show would be John Sir. Talk about his gear and amps and just how that guy thinks about everything. That'd be interesting. And also we're going to step out of the outside the realms of guitar players and um, maybe we'll get a drummer on the show. Smitty from Bruce's band, uh, the Jay Leno drummer, Smitty, who's such a badass player and... Um, such a fun guy. The guy is always smiling. You just want to, you just want to go up and hug him. <laughs> he seems just like a fun, cuddly guy who plays his ass off. So Smitty would be great to have on the show. I'd love to have drummers and different instrumentalists. Um, female, I'd like to have a female guest. I think that'd be really cool because we're so sexist. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. Yeah. So there's so much more I want to do with the show. We're getting actually a lot of emails from different companies that people want to come on the show. So we're just trying to organize it all and make it happen. But, you know, there's, there's, there's lots coming and we hope you guys just continue to tune in. We're over 40,000 subscribers now, which is amazing. And it's still climbing at a really fast pace. So we're reaching obviously a lot of people and we're doing something that's a little bit different. And um, yeah. And a lot of people are saying, don't change the show. Don't censor it. Don't do anything. Well, we're not going to. We're just going to keep it the way it is. And um, I'm going to shut up. This is my longest intro yet. So, um, McCubbin, shut up. Let's get to the show. All right. Scott, Bruce, what have we got in store for the listeners this week? Hello, gents. I've been enjoying your podcast and thanks for putting it out on the interwebs to build the community. Thank you. Your conversations are entertaining at least and mine expanding, blah, blah, blah. I would appreciate your thoughts regarding the measure of art, its quality and value. It just seems a little deep. What? <laughs> I would appreciate your thoughts regarding the measure of art, its quality and ass. value. Art. Speak English, <laughs> <laughs> art. Art. Did he say art. Ass? He said art. <laughs> what is art? I don't know. Some guy. Art Garfunkel. Art. 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 Uh, you know what? This is racism, and this is why I'm sick of it. <laughs> you guys 
I must go home to God my house. Goddamn Aussies. <laughs> Can't speak the mother Let's language. Let's go back to where y'all came from. <laughs> Art. Art. God damn it. <laughs> I don't know how you measure. I don't know. If you, do you really need to measure Art. What kind of a ruler would measure art? I don't know. He said, my discussions with others in revolve around whether or not art can be objectively measured or is it completely subjective in its quality? Oh, I see what he's saying. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Do you think one artist well, or art form can be considered better well, than that's another? Just a, that's an easy question to answer. It depends on how much you know about the particular art you're talking about. You know, wine tasting, for example, right. you know, that's an art. You know, some people can tell the difference in the amount of, what is it, loam in the, in, in the wine. I know that Alan Hurts, again, the drummer, wine expert, man, his parents really? are from Napa Valley. Oh, wow. He goes to Italy and they serve him the house wine and he goes, this is bullshit. <laughs> and he drops a hundred dollar bill and says, give me blah, 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 Cabernet this certain year, and they bring it to him, and he goes, now this is more like it. And then he gives it to me, and, and I go, why is this better than the house wine? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I know nothing about wine tasting. I've had Boone's Farm, and I think it tastes great. <laughs> so, you, let, so, you, so we can safely say yeah, you're not yeah, a wine yeah, That's not the first time you've told that story. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's true. But, the, but, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's it depends on how much you know. You know, like I, I had this thing on my web webpage the other day, and a guy was saying, well, wait a minute. You know, you're always down on Scott Kinsey because he sounds like Joe Zolinol. You know, and and you're saying you know, we, Tribal Tech was always compared to 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 Weather Report because, you know, Kinsey's uh, copying of Joe Zawinul's style, his sounds, his type of writing, the whole ball of wax, and even his own personal instrument, the vocoder, which was Joe's kind of voice in the Zawinul Syndicate post Weather Report, and Kinsey just fucking stole it. Right out from under his, you know, a dead guy. Like, just give me a fucking break. Now, they're saying, the guy wrote in, writes in, and he says, well, how come Willis gets off the hook? Willis sounds like Jocko. There you go. That just shows you how little this guy knows about the art. Because if you just look at Willis and say, okay, he sounds like Jocko because he's got a fretless bass and he plays 16th notes and you don't delve any deeper than that, then yeah, he does sound like Jocko. But the truth is, is Willis has a, com a voice that's completely different than Jocko. And if you delve into the art deeper, you see that he does a million things that Jocko doesn't do. And, and he's very much his own player. Right. And the only thing they have in common is a fretless bass, and they can both play 16th notes. Whereas Kenzie is Zawinul. Mm. He doesn't have a voice at all of right. his own. Hmm. Right. So there you go. It's how much you know about, about, the, uh, about the art, whether you can be subjective or objective. Well, so there, there's your answer. Bruce, you want you to know, jump in? I, I'm just going to take it in a whole different place here because you've obviously, this is well, well excavated or exclamated. <laughs> Excremented. <laughs> but, you know, uh, speaking of art or whatever, art, <laughs> art, 
art. is this uh, guy? Art, art. I mean, well, who gives a shit about art? I mean, we're musicians here. I don't want to be an artist. I don't want to wear black turtlenecks. I don't want to grow a funny beard. I don't want to smoke cigarettes the wrong way. I don't want to be homosexual or bisexual. I don't want to be temperamental. I just want to play. Okay? So can we lose this art shit and just make music? Okay. Thank you. Done. Done. Okay. There you go, Greg. Suck on that. <laughs> I don't know. Good, thanks, Greg. We love okay. questions like that. That is a good question, though. Um, it is a good question. Can Bruce elaborate? Uh-oh. I think I just did. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have to clean my shorts at first. Oh, no, we did this. I think we're up to, we're kind of up to the questions that we've done before, so I think we're good. Um Let's do the Holsworth one again. <laughs> How come we never talk about Holsworth? Yeah. We, you know what? Where Where is Alan? I mean, here's the deal. Do you think Alan Holsworth has even talked about me for more than, ever talked about me at all? Has he, Scott? I don't know. You know, we <laughs> should no Let's bet. Let's bet here. I put $100 down that says he's never talked about me ever. You, you know, he probably hasn't. But he's and probably you know, here has, he I've talked about him. He hasn't talked it's about like me fair either, is, but I don't fair care. Fair is fucking fair. I think we should do this. I think we should prank call him. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alan would get a kick out of it. We should start doing that to everyone. We should start prank calling like, like Alan Holdsworth or all these people and just record it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that'd be fun? <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> sure, call him, Scott. Let's call do we know how him. to Let's connect. start with Benson. <laughs> Well, no, we're not going to get to, we're going to end up talking to his manager, which I'd love to prank call his manager. It'd be fun to prank I'll call. I'll call Alan right now. <laughs> really? Can we connect it through the stereo? Put it on speaker. Bluetooth? Mm, he, he, he won't answer because right. he never answers his phone. Oh, then we'll, let's leave him a message. But I'll just leave tell, him tell a message. Tell him we have a $100 bet about something. We'd like his, we'd like his, his input. If, be, he, if he wants to win 100 bucks, <laughs> We should say, hey. We keep getting this damn question that we don't talk about Alan Holdsworth enough. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit Alan Holdsworth? He's a, he's a palm, right? He's a palm. You've said that numerous times. What's a palm anyway? A palm. It's, a, it's a pomegranate. No, no, no. It's... <laughs> that's why that's why you call them palms, isn't palm. it? Palm. Uh, Aussie calls. We call the them Aussies pommies. call British people pommies because they got red faces. No, we. I thought we call them pommies because they got they're that... pompous. I thought it was because you had that, that weird complexion that Brits all have because no, they never get out no, in the sun I, and they, got, and they drink too much, so they got that weird, they look like pomegranates. No, 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 no. I think it was more the case of, and someone, please correct me, pompous because they're pompous bastards. I like the, the pomegranate thing better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know personally. I think it's better. I don't think they had pomegranates back then. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say it. <laughs> But you we, sure can't say art. We, uh, art. <laughs> <laughs> See, the show's just taking a turn for the yeah, worst, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, we're better. taking a turn for the worst. We've been down here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing circles. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I got, there's some things I don't want to talk about. And, just and, yet. Okay, we're gonna have a. We should have a contest for who can do the best pot podcast imitation oh that's a to good put idea. together a three-minute version of, of this? guitar wake uh that that's just opening up the doors to a lot of <laughs> that would be some funny shit. Good. that would be some funny ass shit yeah maybe we should do just it just an mp3 has to be three minutes or shorter of, your your version of our so, podcast. like someone's going to impersonate us 
Yeah, just what you think, what your impersonation of a, of a Guitar Wank podcast is. You know, we... we <laughs> that would be great. It would be great. So and we're just putting it out there. We, don't, okay. we haven't decided what the present's going to be because we don't know how pissed off we're going to be when we... <laughs> we're probably going to be. And it might make us want to quit. Yeah. They'll probably... The thing will suck. They'll do a better job than what we're doing. That's great. Because then we can take a week off. <laughs> we'll post their podcast. <laughs> Scott, are you, are you calling Alan? Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to call him. <laughs> yeah, he's first trying to spell Holsworth. There's a lot of letters. <laughs> he won't be there. He, he, he never he never answers his phone. So <laughs> he calls me. I don't answer my phone. Then I call him. He doesn't. Answer. We just play phone tag. You guys have this amazing relationship. So intimate. <laughs> We're best friends. We're like this. <laughs> he's one ringy dingy. Watch it. He'll answer. Two ringy dingy. If he answers, I'm going to talk to him because I haven't talked to him in forever. <laughs> Three ringy dingy. Four ringy dingy. I, gotta, I want to call uh, Benson. Let message. Yeah. Got $100 riding on something. <laughs> you should have put the uh, speaker into this. Hey, Alan, it's Scott. Hey, man. Phone tag again. Love to talk to you, man. I'm on this podcast right now. We do this silly ass podcast with uh, Bruce Foreman, who's a great jazz guitar player, and Troy McCubbin, who's our hostess with the mostest. <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, we were just talking about you on the show and what a badass you are and and uh, how, you know, we'd love to have you on the show and come in here and bullshit with us. And uh, give me a call, man. Love to talk to you. Love to talk to you, Ellen. Okay. Come and have a beer. You don't even know who I am. I hate oh, you. Yeah, well, Bruce Foreman <laughs> doesn't think you know who he is, and he's all sad, and, and, and he's going to cry now. Yeah. Come and so, have a beer, mate. <laughs> well, I'm just going right, to have man. more to drink. Call me. See ya. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's call Obama. <laughs> <laughs> let's call Trump. Have we got Trump's number? Stumpy, Trumpy. <laughs> That yeah, would, he yeah, would be he'll cool call there. me back in about two weeks. <laughs> when, and leave a message. And, no, and you know when he'll call me? He'll call me about four in the morning because he knows that's when I never answer my phone. <laughs> 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 so, whatever. Uh, you know what? I miss seeing him at the NAMM show because there was just so, you know, like, I mean, he's such a legend. You know, there's yeah. so many people around him all the time when he when he's around. And I wanted to go over and say hi, but then I saw the crowd over there and I just went, oh, God damn it. I'll never get to talk to him anyway. There's so many people. Right. So I just didn't get to see him. But but he was looking good and he was looking like, you know, I mean, he's, I heard he's gigging again and, and um, I, I, everything is was good. Was he recently? I think he was in Australia. Was he? Was he in Australia just recently? He's playing with one of my favorite drummers, Virgil Donati. Oh, I heard oh, he's about playing, that. I, yeah. Yeah, Virgil I saw, years I saw ago. an ad for that. Yeah. Virgil Donati and who was the bass player? It was. It was I saw that. If there was uh, an yeah, ad for it. I think I, I seen Virgil and Alan in a pub in Melbourne, Australia, years mm-hmm. and years ago. Cool, it's man. crazy. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy good. Is there another Australian drummer that I could get connected with? An Aussie drummer. We got lots. Actually, of Aussie I know ones. a really good one over there. You do? Really good guy. Guy named is Andrew Dickerson. You ever heard of him? Dick. Dickerson. Oh, Dickerson. <laughs> I just know Andrew Dick. Well, <laughs> we actually called him Richardson originally, but now it's Dickerson. Dickerson. <laughs> 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 no, we're done with questions. It looks like we're out of interesting. Are you any pissed off about anything lately? 
Anything pissing you yeah, off? Yeah, what pisses you guys I off? Am, of light? I'm totally pissed off about religion. <laughs> no, but don't go there. <laughs> How come he can't go there? Well, he can go there, but I mean, why don't we have a religious podcast? We get a lot more people to listen to it. Why are we wasting our time with we guitar? We already discussed why can't we be a church? All we have to do is buy a license and we could do that stuff. We got a tax place right to worship off. right cool. here. Like, we can be tax But you, we don't need a tax. We don't make any money. We don't need a tax. Well, you know what? We did, <laughs> dude. Make some money, then we'll be a tax write-off. <laughs> we did have You're someone. The whole fucking point of it. Donations have been up this month. Well, uh, by the way, have we had a couple? You, 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 you've told them about the donations and yeah. about buying CDs and about the masterclass and about blogging and, and about coming the to the road show and everything. You've done yeah. that, haven't yeah, you? Oh, yeah, yeah, told them about. Okay, that. well, let me do it again. Like, no, <laughs> let's no, talk about me. South Park. South Park, I love. I, I had one of the guys off the show come and buy one of my amps years ago. You know what? I just watched the most wonderful South Park man where. Where um, you know Cartman thinks he's dead because <laughs> he ate the the skin off a bunch of pieces of Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> you know any episode with Cartman and Butters where the focus is on Cartman and Butters, they're all great. Awesome, you know the one. Um, where where Butters comes over to sleep and Cartman does all kinds of stuff to him in his sleep. We did like he did a whole study with his ass using different light filters here and there. You know, <laughs> put his ass in Butters' face and took pictures and stuff. Put a tampon in his mouth and took a picture. <laughs> I call this one the sleeping minstrel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I don't watch the show, but I I enjoy the. Humor. Oh my god, it's such a funny show. It's such a thing. So great, man. There's so many amazing episodes. <laughs> Just love it. Star Trek Beyond comes out very soon. Yeah, it's gonna be a big movie. Yeah, big, it's, big it's, movie. It's you know why there are no sad. banjos on Star Trek? What's that? You know why there are no banjos on Star Trek? Why? Because it's the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm gonna go there with mixed emotions because. Uh, you know, I love Star Trek and I love the movies, but Anton Yelchin died and he's going to be in the movie and oh. it's like so sad. And, and you had a personal connection be, with them, right? Well, he, his parents are my, or his dad is, is my daughter's ice skating coach for years. That's so heartbreaking. And that was their only son. And yeah, it's going to be kind of sad to see that movie. That's probably, I think that's the last movie he ever made. Yeah. So yeah, there'll be some sad moments, but I'm sure... It'll it'll be a great film. I'm, I I love the I love the new Star Trek movies. I think oh, they did I, I think, amazing I think job. they did a great job, and I really like them. So yeah. So, speaking of movies, I was looking for. Um, I saw. Well, I, we talked about the Jacko documentary. Yeah, I just watched it. I still haven't seen that. Oh, I gotta man, see that. You gotta it's, see, I'm it's, really it's curious. It's quite to see. good. It's quite yeah, good. There's. I you know, there's, you know what I mean. It's typical of of those kinds of documentaries, but all in all, man, of course, the guy's a brilliant genius, and it was it was fairly honest representation, I think, according to what they did. It was wholly interesting. Yeah, just, I, okay, that's on and just my so list great to, to hear all that music together. Yeah, you know, it was really cool. It was when they talked to Joni Mitchell and her last sort of meeting with him or running across him. It's just like wow! It just yeah, he really went he went out there, didn't he? Uh, he, he had some problems. Boy, yeah. what a great writer! You know, 
that's the one thing about Weatherport that that probably no nobody will ever you know no band will ever come close because to have a band with three of the greatest writers ever that that's almost inhuman it's impossible you know i mean joe zawinul's compositions are just incredible and wayne known for being one of the best writers in jazz ever and then jocko to come along and you can hear how his writing style is influenced at some by Wayne and by Joe, but yet it's way more dominant seventy. He used mm. a lot more dominant seventh chords than either Joe or Wayne in his writing, you know, especially thirteenth chords. There's a lot of thirteenth chords in Jocko's writing. And and like Teen Town is thirteenth chords. You know, mm. the da-da-da-da-da-da. Just thirteens moving in parallel. You know, and 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 I've studied Jocko's writing a lot. I have transcribed at least ten of Jocko's tunes, and I don't mean going and looking at the book. <laughs> I mean actually transcribing the whole tune, right. melody, harmony, the whole thing. And I've really been into it, like to really get inside what he's doing. And wow, talk about some brilliant stuff. <laughs> For someone um, like I, I've never done that, and I just sort of, after seeing that documentary, catch on to what he did and how amazing it was. How would you explain his composition or writing to someone that doesn't isn't familiar with his his type of music? Well, it's like, how do you explain? It's jazz it? writing. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of chords, right? Tons, and and you know more way more harmony than what you'd find in a standard. Yeah, or way 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 more. You know, so in that way, it's it's closer to maybe I don't, you can't say classical music without thinking of Beethoven, but it's not. It's more like Debussy, Ravel, later classical music where there's lots of harmony and that kind of stuff going on, and moving lines within the harmony. Mm -hmm. You know, so so very dense, really dense. A lot of moving lines within chords and stuff. A lot of background lines. So, like, you know, one one line may be a little static for a while, but there's some background line moving against it in the background. Very dense stuff. But at the same time, really, really simple melodies sometimes. Like Three Views of a Secret. It's a, oh, you know, what a beautiful song. Beautiful yeah. tune. And just how he uses modulation just at the right time and modulates into keys that you don't expect but aren't dumb like some people i don't want to say mean things about anybody that we know but there right, are, Bruce uh, <laughs> no, there, are <laughs> there are writers who attempt uh complex music who just don't know the difference between okay let's go to back to the wine thing they just don't know when a chord movement is strong or weak mm. because they don't aren't experienced enough and i'm talking about some writers who are very famous and very some very famous jazz musicians who think they can write but can't and they may be brilliant players but they can't write right and when i hear the writing i just go you gotta fucking be kidding me that chord has no business <laughs> going after that chord and this person can't hear that you know, whereas if I know where what Joe Zawinul would say, he would just hear that and go fucking weak. 
you know, because he knew, like, that's one thing I will brag about. I know, you know, like when I, when I hear stuff, I, I, I Joe would say stuff sometimes and, and I would go, I know he's going to say that mm. when I play him something, he'll, he, I know he'll like it or no, he won't. He'll say, yeah, that, that sucks. That's sad ass, <laughs> you know, or he'll go, yeah. I play. I played him a few things by Donald Fagan, you know, couple tunes. I don't remember whether they were Steely Dan tunes or off, you know. Solid. And he would say some nice harmony, good chord choices. And he knew, yeah. you know what I mean. He knew that there was some shit there that made really good sense harmonically. Yeah. And then I hear some shit that you know some guys put together, and I just go, "What the fuck is this shit? It's it's just so bad." <laughs> Like it just doesn't, lots of chords, but none of them really have any business being together in any kind of sense, sense way. And of course you could say that's objective, but this is just coming from a guy who's done a lot of transcribing of Ravel, Debussy, you know, like I've done my homework, you know, I've transcribed lots of Zawinul music, lots of Wayne Shorter music, lots of Jocko music, lots of, you know, some Chick Corea, Herbie, Keith Jarrett. You know, I mean, I'm a shitty musician, but I know good music when I hear it. Right. <laughs> so now, I I got a question for you guys. Say for listeners out there and even myself that want to want to have a taste of what you know and a great composition or a progression or whatever you want to call it. Where is a good place to start? Like you got to transcribe it. Give us a, give us a tune that was like, all right, this is like a standard of a tune where it's like the progression, how they put this together. This is Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, Charles Mingus. What a beautiful composition. Okay. And that's right there in the real book. Mm-hmm. And, and and you can just look at the melody and look at the chords and analyze it and go, "Wow, what made him go there?" The first thing you should be thinking about is why didn't I think of that? Mm. That's the first thing that should be on your mind. How come he did it and I didn't? How? How? What? <laughs> right. Listen to yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to a million tunes by Paul McCartney, and you can go, Jesus. Listen it's to so... Jerome Kern. Listen to George Gershwin. Yeah, so, yeah to George Porter. Gershwin. You, you, you just you go, wow. How did he think of that that particular melody, and how did he choose that chord? And a lot of people think it's theory. It's not fucking theory. It's art. It's because either he heard it in his head first, if he was lucky and having a good day, or he tried a bunch of other chords that didn't work, and then he came on a chord that he really liked, and that's the one he picked. Not because he heard it first, but because he had the patience to go through some process of elimination. Because all writing, unless you're a genius like Zawinul or Mozart and, you know, like he sits down and improvises for five minutes and then you have Birdland. Mm. <laughs> Not too many people can do that. Most people have to throw some stuff away before they get to the stuff that they like. Yeah. And that's me. I have to throw a lot of stuff away. You know, I'm Mr. Garbage Man when I write. <laughs> I throw a whole day's work in the trash and then come the next day and start again and might throw that whole day in the trash. But eventually, if I keep doing that, I'm going to find something good. I if I just have the patience to wait for it. Yeah. You know, and then I have wonderful days where I just sit down and boom, I compose a tune really fast like within an hour. The chords I just heard this harmony in my head and it just came to me 
in an inspired moment, inspired, not inspired by the beach or by a girlfriend or anything like that. Not in that shit. Just, you got to try that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but in spite, you know, the, you have these, these moments where you're just, things come to you, just having a moment of inspiration where things happen. Does melody, but, melody come first? Or? Well, no, no, no. Well, I mean, yeah, I, you know. That's technical. Well, what he's saying you know, I mean no respect. It, <laughs> what he's saying is, is 100% true. But there's so many levels to it. I mean, and some of the stuff he mentioned, you can kind of look at it that way. A lot of beautiful music is simple. Yeah. A lot of beautiful music is complex. Mm. A lot of beautiful music is spacious. A lot of beautiful music is dense. A lot of mu great music is melody-driven. A lot of great music is rhythmic driven. A lot of great music is harmonic driven. You know, and so what you can see what I'm saying is like putting it all together, having it have a voice, having it come to, to really be impactful and beautiful and meaningful and serve the purpose of the intent of the composer is 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 a is a highly subjective yet very much it's 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 it is measurable, mm. and you know, like what he mentioned, uh, "Goodbye Pork Pie Hat." That was a tribute to Lester Young. Lester Young was not a harmonically dense player. He was an incredibly nuanced player, storyteller, one of the true geniuses of jazz. And his obvious idea for this was to take this melody that's basically kind of the blues scale. It's kind of just a blues. Yeah, it's a blues. It's just the, the harmony he And then, and then what back, he did yeah. was he colored it with a lot of surprising harmony. But who's to say that he, you know, in a different state of mind that same day, this brilliant composer, Charles Mingus, could, could have said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a blues and I'm going to put a complex melody on it. Instead of writing a simple blues melody and putting complex chords on it. Mm -hmm. And how great that would have been. Because Charles Mingus has the awareness to make it strong and fit the intent of what he's trying to say. And 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 that's a perfect example. I believe that that in many ways that song, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, changed the course of jazz music. Wow. And that how it took a lot of simplistic melody structures and harmonized them in very surprising way mm -hmm. and took the music in places that that like Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock yeah. moved in that and direction. And Miles Davis later. did the same thing. Well, Miles, but I believe that that was yeah. triggered by that composition. Could, that's yeah, that's right, my exactly. personal and but, I'm not a jazz historian. I'm just a guy who listens to a lot of yeah, shit. Yeah, you're right though. But Miles sort of took it even further where where the song was more about the composition sometimes, even than the improvis improvisation, because sometimes like on a tune like Pinocchio mm -hmm. or a tune like Nefertiti, where they just kept playing the melody over and, and over and over again, yeah. like, a, like, a, like a mantra, right. you know what I mean? But it wasn't so much about blowing like in the sense of bebop, but it was more of a, a sense of how they played the melody, but they played it different every time, right. or they harmonized it different every time. Because, you know, if you look in the real book and you see, like, okay, here are the changes for Nefertiti, that might have just been one pass-through. <laughs> you know, there might be different harmony on it. any number of passes through the tune, but he might have just liked that pass the best. So that's the chords he chose yeah, to write for Nefertiti. There's this great tune, yeah. which I believe 
was somehow inspired by pork pie hat. And we'd have to ask Wayne Shorter about this. Pork Wayne, pie hat. Goodbye pork Good pie Goodbye pork pie hat. That's the what, name of the song. It's by Charles from? Mingus. Pork pie hat Jeff was because Lester it. Young wore a pork pie hat. That was, oh, really? his, that was his trademark. Uh, you thing. know the tune because it's on Wired. Yeah. Only yeah. Jeff Beck just played it. He played the melody over the changes, but he didn't blow over the changes. He just played over a one chord vamp. It's the one that goes ba da da, ba da da da, ba da 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 da, with all this great guitar sounds and tones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a really easy tune, but um, um, I love improvising on that tune. Yeah, it's yeah, but, but, but my song. point is, is, is to, you know, at that point in time, the My young Miles Davis band was just about to form or maybe did form <clears throat> and you had Wayne Shorter and you had Herbie Hancock and then you listen to tunes that they're early tunes uh, there's this tune called ESP that, that was da da do da dee da do dee da dee da do da dee da do dee da a very simple melody right it has these really cool chords for it right but I could play that song for you and I could play a country western one four five against it and it would sound like it belongs with the chords wow my point is is is, is I see a direct lineage from how Charlie Mingus created this way of simplistic melody with complex chordal harmony to it and how that became kind of the movement past hard bop mm -hmm. in jazz. And, it kind and, of, I mean, I, and again, some jazz historian is going to call me up and tell me I'm talking. No, you're right, ass, though, but, because in a, in a way, and that's what led up to Weather Report, because yeah. most of the Weather Report music is simple melodies but complex harmonies, different right. harmonies that are, you know, but the melodies and, are and, very uh, singable. And, you know, and, and, yeah, and you know. so so my point is is that's a great entry point to understand post-bebop, hard-bop, how things were going to head in that mm. next direction. But for, for the people who really want to learn about it, it's not like you have to have huge ears and you're able to sit there and transcribe all this complex stuff. I mean, I wouldn't suggest picking up Wayne Shorter Atlantis and trying to transcribe <laughs> it. Yeah, there's a like a chord. It's a wonderful record, but there's a chord on every quarter note. So yeah. That would be a pretty hard record to transcribe, though I have done it. I've transcribed like three or four tunes off that record, and it took me a long time because it's so many chords and they're so happening so often. Mm -hmm. But you could go into the real book, you know, where everybody's got a real book, and pick those Wayne Shorter, beautiful Wayne Shorter tunes like Anna Maria or, uh, uh, oh, there's so many, God, uh, Prince of Darkness or. Um, you can even go back further. Or El Gaucho. Yeah, you go back these... further than that, you know, to his earlier compositions like House of Jade. And yeah, stuff and those like are that. in the real book. Yeah. So, so you just basically, if you want to learn how to compose, you, 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 it and it could be just as much the real book as a Beatles songbook. Mm. It could be go buy a Beatles songbook and just look at it, and you know, no matter what anything is musically, you can always boil it down to chords and melody that you can play on a guitar and sing. Mm. Right, so you just sit there singing yesterday or singing, uh, hey, you, you know, um, hey Jude, or whatever you want to sing by the Beatles, and and just thinking now, how did he come up with that? Here's this melody, analyze it. What does it do? And when does he modulate? Like how much of it is in one key, and then when does it modulate to the next key? And you try to just sort of make sense out of it.
Right. You know, I, I, I remember I used, I teach a composition class sometimes at school. So I use all kinds of different examples. And I remember I was using Bad Sneakers as an example, as a Steely Dan tune. Real simple tune, but beautiful. And that it's basically just in two keys that modulate back and forth. And, and, and it's, it's simple enough for the students to understand, oh, I see where these chords are coming from. They're just diatonic. But what makes the song so great is the melody and then how it modulates to a, a whole other key. And it's also diatonic. And Schofield talks that, about that a lot. Just good old-fashioned diatonic harmony where if you analyze a lot of Scho's tunes, they're really easy in the little diatonic sections, mm-hmm. but it's how they modulate that makes them so hip. Yeah. Because yeah. he picks different keys to modulate to. And that's the same as the real book where you have right, standards, great. you have diatonic harmony going on for a while, but then the melody will be a pivot point and it'll allow it to modulate to a completely different right. key. And the me- melody continues in that key. And and you just learn by studying great people who've done it yeah, before. Just, just, just yeah. like we were talking about transcribing great players, you transcribe great writers. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I mean, you just check what they do. And let's face it, melody is either... Harmony driven, melody driven, or rhythm driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so, and it doesn't mean that it has to always be one or the other. You can be constantly shifting and marrying those, you know, there's endless subtle variations within those contexts. And and the smart composers and the gifted composers are the ones that, that take advantage of not only inspiration in their ears, but also knowledge and strategy. Oh. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just like just like a good improviser. It's really no different. Yeah, there's a vocabulary. Right. And every writer has his own bag of tricks. So, you know, if you you I could show you right now 10 Donald Fagan tricks that he does and you used a lot in his writing. And Joe Zawinul has some things that he would do. And Wayne Shorter has some things that he does. Favorite type of chord progressions and favorite chords that he uses and stuff. And if you transcribe it enough, you start to see that every composer has his little vocabulary that they keep going back to. And and yep. it's, it's yeah, you just have to study it. Yeah. And, and study the shit out of it until you recognize... To, I can recognize Wayne's style of writing when I, as soon as I hear it. Yeah. Or somebody that's trying to copy that style of writing, and and Jocko had his style, that was I don't really know how to put it into words, but those Joe tunes have a real personality, just like the Wayne tunes have a personality, and the Jocko tunes. And that's what made Weatherport such a great diverse band because you've got three great writers in the same band, <laughs> so much good music to play. Yeah, that wow, amazing. How. Now, so, so for writers out there, how do you know when you have a good song? That's like asking, you know, how do you know when you have a good glass of wine? Well, but, but how do you <laughs> how know, do you know when, when you have a boner? Yeah. <laughs> you just do. I think that's yeah. more like it because you, you know. You just know. You love that yeah. song. It sounds so good. You're so excited about it. You can't wait to play it for the world. You know it. Right. You yeah, know, it's like catching a big fish. But that you doesn't mean a, a year later you'll look back on it and say, "Why did I write such a piece of shit?" <laughs> right, right. Well, <laughs> that's true. Or, or somebody may come up with ideas to make it better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I but you'll at, know. You'll know when you've got something. You'll know. I you look just at, know. I look at some of my past 
writings or scribblings. <laughs> and I go, what was I smoking when I wrote that? Right. Like, but at the time, like, oh, you really God. thought it was great. And, I did. And, and that I is, did. That is the honesty and the beauty and the reality uh, yeah, of music. I and did. if we're going to all sit around and second guess ourselves and be these, these, these punk ass second grade critics, great. You know, they just go ahead and live in that fucking world. I don't yeah, want to live there. Yeah. No, you can't because, you know, I do know some people who. Ah, uh, they got a record in the can, and they just keep trying to improve it for years until it's ready to come out. And it probably will never be ready to come out because they're not ready for it to come out. It's not that the music isn't ready. Yeah, the composer's not ready because he's not owning up to his own work. It, it, at some point, you just got to say this shit's done. Right. Like it, it's the like best every, I can do. It's like, what yeah, I did. Like every artist knows when is the last stroke on a picture. When is that last stroke? When is it done? The artist just knows. Yeah. And the picture's done, and it leaves there flat, and it goes out into the world and hangs in some museum, and there you go. And that's what you got to do with a record. It's you know when it's done. It, it's done. Or the song. Yeah. It, yeah. It's done. So, yeah. But the thing is, is the, the the cool thing is you're in no real super big rush. I mean, I've I've taken a month to 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 write a tune. I keep go going back to it, and I and I think something is bothering me. Something is not cool about this thing. Every time I hear it, I think it could be better there. Mm. So I try a few more things, and then all of a sudden it hits me. Oh shit! Boom! I fix it. But even and, then, and, don't a year later you go, oh shit, why did I write that? No, no not sometimes. I mean, there's there. I, I mean, there are tunes that I've written that I'm really proud of still ten years later. Yeah, yeah. But 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 I'm just saying that you're not like in such a rush that. So what if it takes you a month to write a tune? That's not a big long time. Right. I mean, I would say if it takes you more than a month, something's wrong. <laughs> you know, but, a month is. Do you a guys long time. when you guys are writing or just. Just playing around on the guitar, and you'll come up with a riff or a progression or something. You record it, or sometimes you don't record it because you just know no, it's no, in the bank. Always, in the mid- you always, yeah, I always record it. I never, I never touch my guitar. If I'm writing, I never touch my instrument unless the record button's on. Right. Because you never know when you're just going to fuck up and do something good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then yeah. you always want to capture. Wow. You want to capture. Sometimes you just play these things like i can sit there and play uh, and just improvise over one chord for like an hour and i can guarantee you in that hour there will be at least five or six little bits that are worthy of investigating investigating into making a tune out of yeah and and uh, they happen unexpectedly and that's the beauty of it that's why you like it because you've never heard yourself play it before Mm. If you play the same old licks you always play, and you're not going to say, oh, I want to write a tune out of that. It's when you do something that you don't expect and it's really good, then that's it's that element of surprise. You go, yeah. whoa, that's something very cool. And if you still think that, that same thing the next day, then it's it might be a tune yeah. or at least the start and of it, one. And it sticks with you too. Yeah, it's some really things stick. Yeah, yeah. You know that's what Zawinul used to say. Some guys know how to make notes stick to tape. Oh and, wow! Okay. And some guys don't. Yeah. It's like you know when something sticks to the tape. In our case, it's a computer. Yeah. But it sticks, and and you just go yeah. That's really good, and there's no doubt about it. 
the idea before it sucks, the idea after it sucks. But those three or four notes right there in that particular rhythm, that's good. I want to keep that. So, Bruce, when you're writing or coming up with ideas, like I know Scott locks himself away and really does that. Are you, how do you, what's your process? I that don't do that, but I don't write the same way Scott does. No. And I don't play the same kind of music as no, Scott No, you're does. playing something different. So, um, so it comes to me in different ways. And, I, and although there have been times where like I've been in the process where I have sort of sequestered myself to write and, and I've come up with really great stuff at what I think are some of my best efforts at those times where I did sort of make the space to make that happen. And then again, some of my best stuff just kind of fell out. I've even written great tunes. It's just when I was giving a lesson, just to show somebody what a great chorus on a standard might be, Hmm. you know, just to show them how I would construct a solo and I'll put a chorus together or something and I'll realize, wow, that's a cool tune right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that there it was like that was a like a piece that just fell out in the right moment. And it's just right the way it is. And all it needs is a good arrangement around it to be complete. It doesn't need to be more through composed than that, you know? Yeah. And and also understanding that there are elements to composing. It's not just necessarily the melody or the harmony. It's often how you frame the melody and the harmony with an arrangement and sound. You know, there's just so many moving parts. And to challenge yourself to be aware of them all and to make the music alive and real and satisfying, that's that's what it is. Because like I say, we can sit back and think about a lot of the greatest songs we ever heard are some of the simplest little ditties you ever heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And vice versa. Some of the most complex, amazing Ravel or Debussy or Chopin pieces are just, you know unbelievable bill evans tunes you know i mean they they, they, they're equal and great in different ways so it's all about being able to have an intent to have an inspiration and to be able to finish it yeah Yeah, that's that's the main thing being able to finish it and and (laughs) and and also to think outside the box sometimes because we tend to think of composition in terms of everything that came before. And sometimes you have to think outside of the box to try to come out with something different. I remember, boy, there's this, there's this album that, that Joe Bonamassa did. I don't know which album it is, but boy, there's a good tune on it. It's the first tune on the record. And all I can remember is the bass drum. It's There's no drums. It's just a bass drum going boom, boom, boom. And the riff is just with these like kind of jazzy chords. And man, first time I heard that song, I was like, God damn it. I wish I wrote that. Right. Because <laughs> it's just such a badass little tune. And it's and and when I say thinking out of the box, who would have ever thought just use the bass drum for a while? Forget the drums. Mm. Just leave the drums out. <laughs> it grooves like crazy, and it's yep. just such a really nice tune. And it's got some pretty, uh, for being, you know, Joe Bonamassa's more of a blues rock guy, it's got some pretty jazzy chords in it. Yeah. And it's a really nice thing. And when when, when I hear that kind of music, I, I think, oh, now here's a guy who just had a really great writing day, mm. and he wrote this gem of a tune, 
It just, you know, it's most of his stuff, not to be, not to sound that I don't like his other stuff at all, but most, most of his writing is just kind of more straight normal, ahead, right? Straight yeah. ahead blues rock, you know, yeah. this tune really stands out as being something really tune? different. Do you remember? The I tune? can't remember the name of it. Um, I think I, I think can't I remember the name of it, but it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. There's another, the, uh, Funny story. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Stacy Orico is. She's a she's a, a like an R and B singer, um, really good. But she did this record when she was only nineteen, and she's got a serious voice. And her and her producers wrote this tune, and they wanted to put put it on the record. And it, I love this tune. I think it's a great great pop song it's called there's got to be more to life more to life Mm -hmm. and they the record label didn't want anything to do with this song because it was not in the style of like the regular kind of r&b that the rest of the record is yeah so they didn't want to put it on the record and they just totally like fighting with her producers and fighting with her finally they won they got this tune on the record and it became a number one hit for almost a month. <laughs> Made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And right. I'm sure people at the record company probably got fired <laughs> <Good>. over. <laughs> over like. But yeah, you gotta hear it. It's just a it's a just a really well written pop tune with very nice chord changes and uh, really well produced. It's badass. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but... <laughs> it has a lot to do with something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 